Well, hey, you can take a seat. Thank you, worship team. I feel like the devil is working full time this morning. So in my opinion, that means God must be wanting to do something since the devil's trying to work hard to counteract it. So uh, before I get going, he has also stolen my podium. The devil is up to all kinds of tricks today. Uh, before I get going, I wanted to make one last time I'm going to make this announcement because next week uh, is when it happens. So uh, in the beginning of January, we prayed and we fasted as a church and we asked God for a couple of very specific things. Uh, we, we wanted God to, to give us a home was one of them. Uh, so, you know, stuff like this doesn't happen anymore, uh, if I may put that forth to you. Uh, so... Four days after we were done fasting and praying, I got a phone call that uh, a building had become available. So uh, I want to move on that really fast. So actually, I'm the kind of leader, like when you see something, when you see an opportunity, I just like to jump and run after it. So uh, we're going to have a congregational meeting after church next week, next week. So uh, as I've been joking about for a couple weeks now, cancel all your plans. You need to be here next week because it's a really important week. If you're, if you're a partner here, if you're a regular attender here, even if you're newer here and you just kind of want to check out what's going on, we'd really like to have you guys here for that. Uh, so next week, right after church, we're going to shorten service up a little bit and have a really, really important meeting for us as a church. All right. Uh, we're starting a new series today called Community First. We just finished one called Kingdom First. And we're starting one called Community First, and you might be thinking, how can you have two firsts? There's two separate lists, so shut up. Stop that. Uh, all right. This is going to be good, man. I'm, I'm really excited about this. So have you ever heard of uh, referred pain before? It's a medical term. Uh, really interesting concept. So the idea is that, uh, that you can feel pain in one part of your body, but the source of that pain is actually somewhere else. You ever heard of this before? So, so you, you have a, 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 something that's, that's causing you discomfort in your body somewhere, but the, the cause of that discomfort actually comes from another location. So a couple examples of this. The, the most classic one is a heart attack, right? You've heard of this, though. You know, you're, obviously, the problem is in your heart, but most people feel it down their arm or in their jaw. So, so the, the source of the pain is in the arm, but the source of the problem is in the heart. Just a little off. Uh, a more uh, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum example is when you eat ice cream way too fast and you get the brain freeze, right? You know that your brain isn't actually frozen, right? Um, if there's a little nerve that goes down the back of your throat that when you eat the ice cream way too fast, it irritates that nerve and it causes pain up here. So the problem's down here, but the pain is actually up here. Referred pain. Now, not a big deal unless you... Uh, misinterpret referred pain, right? This could, this could be a problem for you if you misinterpret it. So if you would walk around all day going, man, my arm kind of hurts. This is weird. And you're just kind of, you know, rolling it out, massaging your arm. <laughs> but in reality, you had a heart attack. That would be a problem, right? That would be a big problem. On the other end of the spectrum, if you got a headache and immediately got on WebMD and WebMD told you that you totally have brain cancer, because that's what it tells you every single time, and you rushed to the emergency room, but all that happened was that you ate your shamrock shape too fast because it's so good, uh, you would be misinterpreting what's actually going on inside of your body. And it would be really bad for you to misinterpret the source of your pain as, as if it is the source of your problem. The same could be said in your life. It would be really bad for you to misinterpret the source of the pain that you have in your life and, and, and miss the source of the problem causing the pain. What if there's something like this in your life? 
What if there's something like referred pain in your life? What if there are instances where you feel pain in one area, but the source of the problem is actually somewhere else? The cause is actually somewhere else. So much like a heart attack, you're, you're rubbing your arm, you're, you're, you're focused on the pain, but for some reason it never works. Ne- never does any of the stuff you're doing to, to solve the pain actually create happiness and, and joy because you're missing the source of the problem because it's somewhere else. It's a scary thought, isn't it? Like, oh my gosh, I've been trying to solve this, this pain, but I'm missing the source of the problem. So let me give you some examples of pain we're all feeling right now. Did you know that it, 60% of Americans classified 2020 as the worst year of their life? Worst year. 60%. That's a crazy high number. 60% saying that last 12 months have been the worst. Depression doubled. Didn't double. Uh, double digit jump. Uh, anxiety went up even higher. Uh, analysis of nationwide sample of half a million drug tests showed an increase in every kind of drug by 10% or more. Every single one. Some drugs much more than that. Everything bad was up, right? Discontent, financial stress, suicide, all these things. Collectively, it was a painful past 18, 12 months that we've experienced here. What if a lot of the pain we're experiencing is a referred pain? What if it's not really about depression, anxiety, drug use? What if those are the places we're feeling the pain, but it's not the source of the problem? So, way back uh, in the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, before depression, before anxiety, before drugs, uh, before financial pain, before emotional pain, before the coronavirus, before any bad decisions were made at all, God said something really, really important that we need to know. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It's the 49th verse of the Bible. Coming in at 49, really early on, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So God declares this. And that's a crazy big statement he's making, especially because of when he's making it. So he says, hey, it's not good for humans to be alone. And he said this before sin entered the world. Eve hadn't eaten the fruit. Adam hadn't stood by and watched her do it. The serpent had not made his appearance yet. God looks down on his near-perfect creation and says, we need to tweak this one thing. I'm not quite done yet. He's that artist. He backed up and kind of looked at his work and he said, ooh, ooh, this one spot right here. I got to fix this one spot. This guy, he shouldn't be alone. He should not live his life by himself. He needs to be in community with others. He needs to be connected to others like him. So what I want you to know is that you were designed for community. You were designed that way. It's built into your DNA. All the way down on on like a spiritual level, you were built for community. It's a part of God's grand plan, not only for your life, but for all of us. And it goes way back all the way to the very beginning, the very beginning. So you're designed for community. So tell me why. Tell me why you think that 60% of Americans said the, the past 12 months has been the worst of their life. Tell me why. Tell me why depression and anxiety and drug use and everything bad is way up based off what God said in the very, very beginning. 
It's pretty easy, right? It's not the only problem, but it's definitely a huge part of the problem. Could it be that we really messed up using the term social distancing when we could have used maybe physical distancing, like having relationships was going to somehow be contagious or something like that, you know? Just, I don't know, thought. I know it's easy to look back and fix things like that, but maybe the source of our problem is separation. One of the very first verses in the Bible clearly shows us uh, that there's some referred pain going on in our lives right now. That maybe we're feeling the pain over here, but the source, the, the source of the problem is separation. The source of the problem is isolation. It is not good for humans to be alone. We need community. We need connection. And what if what is true in our society right now, where we have all these problems going on kind of in the big picture, what if it's also true of you? What if you zoom in just on your life? What if some of the pain you experience in your life is referred pain? Those bad decisions that you make, you know, what, like one a year you got? Uh, the, the financial pain you experience, the relational pain you experience, the emotional pain you experience. What if the source of the problem is actually somewhere else? You spend all your time focusing on that, that specific area, but what if the source actually comes from somewhere else, or at least part of the source? I don't want to overstate my case here and have you roll your eyes at me, but what if part of the problem isn't over here? What if you have referred pain? You spend all your, your energy trying to solve the pain when the source of the problem might be somewhere else. You, you need connection. You need community. You cannot become the person God created you to become without connection to others. You, you can't do it. You can't become that person on your own. You cannot reach your potential in isolation. It can't happen. Now, I'm guessing you already knew that, right? I'm guessing you already knew that. As a Christian, for sure, you've been preached at before about this kind of a thing. But on some level, I think everybody, even if this is your first time in church in a long time, you knew that you can't live your life alone. Like, that just doesn't work. It's, 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 that's why... Uh, in jail, when you do something wrong, they put you in isolation. Like, that's, that's supposed to be torture. That's supposed to be the worst thing that can happen to a human is to separate them out from all, all other humans. The most introverted person in the world. Still, something feels off about that. So again, if you've been in church for very long, you've heard the, the sentence we always say, you can't do life alone. Which is a weird way to say it. Can we just be real? Christians say stuff weird sometimes. Just do life. What are you going to do to it? I don't know. This is weird. Can't we just live life? I don't know. You can't live life. You know another thing we say that's weird? Can I just, hold on, just give me a second. Do you know another thing we say that's weird? Um, that we're going to love on somebody. Can we just, let's be real. What do you think people who aren't Christians hear when you say that? <laughs> You're going to do what to me? <laughs> Why is it be on? You know, just hold still. I'm going to put this love right on top of you. I don't know. This is weird. Sorry. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> you cannot live a fulfilled, purposeful life on your own. You can't. So I think you already knew that. I think you already knew that. You're pro you probably have some connection in your life, right? You got a few. You're probably sitting next to them. You have some connections. And, and I'm guessing you're probably kind of okay with the amount. If you're an introvert, it's a smaller number. If you're an extrovert, it's a bigger number. But you're probably okay with it. You're probably like, I'm not living my life alone. I've got some. So on that front, you, you'd say, okay, check. But I have a question for you. And it's related, I promise. Do you have 
a desired direction in your life. Like you're trying to go somewhere. Like in one year or five years or 10 years, you want to you be doing some certain things. You want to be a certain person out there. If you're super organized, you probably have like a planner that has a whole bunch of stuff in it. You've got it all mapped out. You like have a desired destination. You've got it all mapped out. But even if you're not, even if you're not like a super organized person, you at least have a desired direction, right? You, you know you want to go in a certain direction in your life, right? I, I imagine that on some level, everybody in here has that. Everybody watching online has that even if it's not super detailed. Because the, the opposite is almost never true, right? There are very few people who say, I just want to float through life and see where it takes me. Whatever, I'm cool. Five years from now, I don't, I don't care. Whatever happens, happens. Probably not. And even if they say that, I feel like those people, they've just been hurt so many times they have to like disconnect from it because they're so, they've been disappointed one too many times and they're just like, whatever happens, happens. But they really still do deep down inside care about the direction of their life. So I've established you have direction. You have a desired direction. So can I share a really important verse for you if you have a direction, a desired direction in your life? It's in the book of Amos, which I know is probably your favorite book in the Bible, if you can find it. Uh, Amos says this in the third chapter, uh, in the third verse. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Now, if you just take that for like face value, Amos is being Captain Obvious here, right? If you're gonna go for a walk... With somebody, you got to agree on a direction, right? You can't walk outside and go, I want to go this way, and they say, I want to go that way. You can walk, but you can't walk together, right? Uh, an agreed-upon direction is a prerequisite to togetherness, right? A shared direction is a prerequisite to, to togetherness. So listen, this is a really important verse. If you have a desired direction in your life, you got to get this. If you care about where you are going... You need to care about who you're connected to. If you care about where you are going, you need to care about who you are connected to. So if you've got some goals, if you've got some, some things you're thinking about out there in your future, you need to also look at who you're connected to. Are they going in the same direction? Do they have the same trajectory as you do? Because it's not just that you're connected, and that is important. It is important. You were created for connection. You need to have connections, but it's who you're connected to that also matters. It's not just quantity, it's quality. Look at Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. I love that the Bible uses these common themes, these common illustrations. So the Bible uses walking as an illustration for living a lot, right? Amos says, hey, uh, you can't walk with somebody if you don't agree on the same direction. And here Proverbs is saying if you, uh, like, who you walk with is going to determine, like, where you end up. But he's, it's, it's kind of deep, right? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. He said, walk with the wise, become wise. Walk with fools, guess where you're going to end up? So what he's saying is, hey, your trajectory starts to match the people you're connected to. So you have a desired destination, you have a desired direction, and you can state that, but it's really who you're connected to that's going to be able to influence that. So you can say you want to go this way, but you got to look at who you're connected to, and that'll tell you how serious you are about it. Your vibe starts to match their vibe. Your wavelengths start to sync up with the people that you're around a lot. Your temperature starts to, to, to match, to equalize their temperature. 
Whether you mean to, for it uh, or not, those you are connected to will affect the direction, the destination, even the flavor of your life. So again, I want to ask, what if some of the pain in your life is caused by a lack of the right connections? It's not just that you're connected. I hope you are connected to people in your life. It's, do you have the right ones? What if some of those things uh, that you don't like about your life are actually caused from having the wrong connections, the wrong crew, the wrong herd, the wrong tribe? What if some of the pain is referred pain and the source of the problem is actually a lack of the right connections? Now, again, I know I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like what you might be hearing. You might be hearing like, oh, so you're saying my financial problems will get solved if I just have the right friends? Is that, was that easy this whole time? <laughs> um, or all my financial or all my relational problems will just disappear if I sign up for a small group. Really, it's going to be that easy. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not stupid. I don't, I don't think it's just going to be some magical, like, snap your fingers and boom, here, here your life is perfect. But I don't want to overstate my case. I do think being around the right people will make you better. And the opposite is true as well. That being around the wrong people will make you worse. Can I prove it to you? I don't even need the Bible. How about this? University of California did a study that found if you have a friend who gets divorced, you are now 75% more likely to get divorced. If you have a friend who gains weight, you're 57% more likely to gain weight. If you have a friend who starts smoking, you're 61% more likely to start smoking. You inching away from the person you're sitting next to you now. <laughs> The opposite is true as well. See, what is, what is called, it's the power of proximity. Be, there's something about connection with other humans that heavily influences us whether we realize it or not. Because it works in the right direction as well. If you've got a friend who all of a sudden gets their financial life together, you're much more likely to get your financial life together. If you've got a friend who stays in shape or gets in shape, you're much more likely to get in shape. If you've got a friend who's fought through some really hard relational things and hasn't given up, you're more likely to not give up too. They found it out with the science. <laughs> I love it when universities and scientists spend a bunch of time and money confirming what the biblical writers wrote thousands of years previously. I love that. That's because God was moving, man. God, God showed them some things about the way the world works behind the scenes, those spiritual principles, that there is a power in proximity, that God wrote that into our DNA, that who you're around is going to affect your life. It's going to affect the direction of your life and the destination of your life. So, I have a suggestion. What if... <laughs> this is an important suggestion. Really important. For real, it must be. I feel like God is literally shining down upon this. What if you took some of the energy you're spending on trying to fix the pain in your life and you spent it on trying to make connections with the right people in your life? Not all of it. You just, just got to spend energy on trying to do something about the, that pain. But what if instead of just pouring your whole self into it, you took some of that energy and said, you know what? I need to get around the right people. Like whatever that direction, whatever that dream God's placed on your heart, are you around people that have a similar dream or at least a similar drive, a similar uh, passion in their life? Even if it's not the exact same dream, but at least they're passionate about their dream. 
What about people who are passionate about the spiritual things that they're doing in their life? People who want, like, guys, are you around dads who want to be good dads? Are you around men who want to lead their families spiritually? Are you around men who want to be the men that God's created them to be? Or are you not around those kind of guys? I won't say what they're like. I'll be nice. <laughs> Ladies, are you around the, the, the kind of people that you, like, want to be like? You know what I'm saying? Is it, is it the right people that you're connected to? And I, I, the whole time I was writing this, I didn't write any of it down. I kept thinking, somebody's going to be making like a, a, an unfriend list. <laughs> and I feel bad saying it, and I'm not, I'm not saying you need to like cut people out of your life. But, but I guess I want to know, like, what's, this, what's your connections look like? What's the, what's the majority of them look like? Because you can be a leader with some people. You need to be the one who's influencing them. Maybe. Maybe God's put you in their life to help them move in the right direction. But if you're drowning over here, if you're trying to improve in an area of your life and you're climbing uphill and you got somebody trying to drag you back downhill, it's not going to work. So what are your connections like? What if you decided to be intentional about being in the right kind of community? Being in the right kind of tribe? I want to show you something that's really cool. Uh, the book of Acts. So backstory, Jesus comes to earth, lives a perfect life, uh, dies on the cross in our place for our sins. Three days later, conquers the grave, sin, Satan, death, demons, appears to his followers over the course of the next couple weeks, ascends to heaven, leaving his followers here on earth to carry out his mission. I just described in a few sentences, the most important thing to ever happen, right? Um, Jesus, his impact on this earth and an impact in each of our lives. So he left this mission with his followers, right? To seek and save the lost. What Jesus did, we're supposed to do. Make more followers of Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He tried to make followers of Jesus. Now we're supposed to make followers of Jesus. So what happens is in, in the early uh, chapters of Acts, it's really cool. So you, know, you have, if you don't know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell Jesus' story from different perspectives. Then you get to Acts, and it tells the story of like what happens right after. So Jesus ascends to heaven, and he leaves his followers here on earth. So the first couple of chapters are wild. It's the church kind of being born and all this stuff is happening. So uh, his followers are kind of waiting around and the Holy Spirit drops. So God's spirit drops on these new believers. Jesus promised that he was gonna send the helper, uh, which, is, which is spirit, and it happens, man. The people who believe in Jesus just get this, this anointing from God on their life. And then Peter, you guys all know Peter, right? Even if you're not a church person, you know Peter. Peter's one of Jesus' followers. He stands up and he preaches this sermon. And it must have been really good because 3,000 people get saved. Instant mega church status, like right there in one sermon. That's pretty good. I've never preached one quite that good. That's impressive. <laughs> and I gotta be honest, I read it. I'm like, it's not even that good. It must have been God because God just moved through that thing. Um, to be fair, just so you know, backstory, they didn't write the whole sermon down, so he may have been more persuasive than I'm giving him credit for. But uh, God moves through it. And man, you got thousands of people getting saved. So here you are. You have, in the book of Acts, all of the believers in Jesus, all of them in one place, every single one, thousands of them. And here's what they do. So this is kind of cool, right? You get to see, like, and, and they're all at, they're at the starting block. Right? So you kind of get this, this is kind of a cool picture then. They're all right here at the beginning, taking off at the same time. Now, some of them maybe started in a different spiritual maturity just based on what God had been doing in their life, but at least we know that they're all at the very beginning of believing in Jesus as their Savior. So to look at what they do here, maybe be informative for us. So I want to zoom in on Acts chapter 2, specifically verse 42. 
Here's what it says they did. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Four things, right? Just listed four things for us. They were devoted to the apostles' teachings. You can look at that a couple of ways, but I would say, in other words, they went to church. It was a big gathering, right? A big gathering of believers on a consistent basis. They were devoted to that. And then it says they had fellowship. <laughs> so if you've been a Christian for a while, that's an old school word. That's what they used to say before they said do life together. It would say fellowship. For real, I'm not even kidding. I was like the do life together was the answer to the word fellowship. Tell me, if you grew up in church, tell me how many things you saw, how many pieces of paper you saw that had the words food, fun, and fellowship on them. It's got alliteration. It's got the word fellowship. It's awesome. But the idea, it's the Greek word koinonia. The idea is that there was a connectedness to them. They were all around each other. They, and it, it talks about sharing. The, the big theme of koinonia, the big theme of fellowship, the big theme of doing life together is that you share things. Not like physical things, but you share life. You share it. And then one of the things that even points it out, it says that they shared meals. And there's something, I, I think I've said this before, man, there's something spiritual about eating together. There really is. There's something about it. The Bible never explicitly says it, but there's example after example after example in the Bible of people eating together and God moving through that. But there's a connectedness at the table somehow. And then uh, another obvious one, prayer. They prayed. So look at the weight the early believers give each of these categories. Uh, if you were mixing together a recipe, it's one part Sunday morning church. It's one part uh, getting after that teaching that the apostles are doing. It's two parts fellowship, two parts community, two parts connection, and one part prayer. Right? That was what they did. They said, all right, apostles teaching, connectedness, community, prayer. Boom. That's what they did. So it seems like to me that they weighted, they weighted in importance the, 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 the connectedness, the community that they were in. It's like they knew either instinctively or maybe God moved for them that if they just got saved because of this sermon that Peter preached and came on Sunday morning, that that wasn't quite going to do it, that this group of people needed something more than that, that for them to actually start a new movement, that they were going to have to not just be connected to God, but be connected to each other. That God was going to move in that. that it wasn't just going to be a, an addition. It was going to be a multiplication through their connectedness to each other and to him. They leveraged the power of proximity right in the beginning of this spiritual journey. So that's important, right? Do you, know, do you realize maybe the same thing they realize that you cannot reach your potential on your own? You're specifically your spiritual potential. They intentionally structured their lives to incorporate community and connection with other people of faith. They had the same desired direction. Other people who were seeking out what God wanted for their lives, other people who wanted to see what God could do through them. What would it look like over the next couple of months for you to pursue the power of proximity in your life? To further go in that desired direction? What would it look like? What decisions would you have to make this week to say, you know what, I wanna, I wanna pour a little energy into making the right connections in my life. What would it look like? Can I show you what it looked like for them? These are crazy couple of words. I'm just going to read them all. Um, and, and I'll be honest, they're a little intimidating. And some of you will be like, there's preachers that I don't like. But just watch what God does through this. Uh, verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Thousands of people all gathered in one place. And God's moving in miraculous ways in this group. And then verse 45, they sold all their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So all of a sudden, uh, there's this, this radical generosity starts popping up among the group. And then verse 47, which I think is one of the craziest ones, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Doesn't that sound crazy? And let me just point out the obvious, and it jumps off the page for some of you. are like, wait a minute, isn't that communism? Shut up. That's not what this is about. The way I see it, what just happened, a deep sense of awe came over everybody. So the, the Holy Spirit falls, Peter preaches, and they just get this, this heaviness that God's doing something among them. And their instinct is to gather, to come close, because it's like wherever it's falling from, they all want to huddle underneath it and make sure that they're there where God's moving. So this deep sense of awe, and then God breaks out and does some miraculous things in that. He says that there's, there's signs, there's wonders. God's moving in ways that only God can move. They can't explain it any other way, but God's doing some stuff. And then this generosity breaks out where they're just like, hey, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my comfort and what I want. I, wanna, I want what's best for this movement of God. So there, there is radical generosity. It's by choice. It's not being forced upon them, but it's by choice. It's just saying, hey, we want to be givers. And then the most amazing thing happens that every single day somebody is coming to faith. Every day. Guys, there are churches that don't see people get saved for years. And this one had somebody for 365 days. One, two, three. Just go, go, go. Every day, God is adding to that number. I don't know about you, and I know I'm a pastor, so I'm biased, but I want to be a part of something like that. I want to see God move in that kind of way where, where a group of people come together where they're connected to God. They've the, got the sense that God's doing something and they say, you know what? We're, we, want to be we want to be connected because we don't want to miss this. And then that passion just boils over and you just start to see God move in ways, whether it's in the miraculous or in people's lives or both mixed together. And we just want to see it happen over and over and over again. And I want to be a part of that. I know this is the early church and I know it's special. Who says God wouldn't? Who, who says he's not up in heaven right now just waiting for a church to like embrace that, you know? Who says he's not waiting for just a couple people to say, hey, I want that, Lord. I, I want that so much that I don't care about like anything else compared to that. Because it doesn't seem like God moves like this unless there's a, a connectedness in a group of people. What if, what if the problem's been, see, I think I'm assuming because you're here that you want to see God move in your life? I think you do. What if the problem, and, and forgive me, what if there is a little bit of like this Americanness in us that we're so independent, that we're so, we, we just got to just gotta be me and God, all right, Lord, work in my life. What if God's up in heaven going, hey, I work more in the collective than in just the individual? What if when, you, when you're asking God to move in your life, what if he's like, well, get together with some other believers and I'll move. Come on, guys. Like, we got to do this together. What if he more pours his spirit out on the collective unity of his people rather than just the individuals? Be mad at him. He didn't. Isn't he? Sorry, American. But that's not. What if he works a little different? What if he wants to work through us, not just through you? And what if when we come together, that's something that makes it click? That's something where God now starts to move in your life a little bit more powerfully because it's us. 
need to be connected. Not just to God, but to the people of God. Some of you are fighting battles alone that you were never intended to fight alone. That's why you're losing. say to Jonathan all the time, like one of the things, one of my jobs as a pastor is I spiritually got in front with my big shield and I'll take the stupid arrows from all the people who say the music is too loud and I don't even let them know about it. But that's how I view it. Say, hey, we're here together. It's like the Roman legion. You get those shields out and we're all together. It's one person, they get stabbed all over the place. But when we're together, it's hard to beat. And some of you are out in the field alone with a shield and a sword and you go get the armor of God and you're still getting your butt whooped. Because you're not supposed to fight out there by yourself. You're supposed to fight alongside other people. That's why Christianity is not working for you. It wasn't designed to be done by itself. It's designed to be plugged in to others. And that's when it lights up. So yes, this is my shameless plug for Mosaic groups that are starting next month. Sign up start in a couple weeks, so I guess what I want you to do right now is I want to encourage you to pray about being a part of that. And I don't mean pray like, God, do you want me to be a part of that? No, no, no. What I mean is pray for God to help you rearrange your life so that you can be a part of one. Does that make sense? Um, I'm saying make an intentional decision to be a part of something like that. And just so you know, if, if, you're, if you're not familiar, this is Sunday morning church. This is our large group. We're not quite at 3,000 like Peter's church, but we're, we're growing. But we also want to do that thing where we meet in homes like they talked about throughout the week. And your, your mosaic group would be a group of people who meet in a home every week. And you love, you love on each other. I can't even do it. You love on each other. And you do life together. All the Christian things. You do all that stuff. But it's real. And I guarantee if you're in that group and you commit to it and you actually dig in that like, yeah, you're still going to have problems, you're still going to have issues, but I guarantee that something happens where you start to actually like act like each other and you, something rubs off. You know, there's a difference between what's, what's um, taught and what's caught. You ever, you, ever, you ever notice the difference between that? Like, you know, you say one thing to your kids, but they catch another thing. Yeah, it's the best example ever, right? Um, but, but some stuff I can't teach you. Some stuff you have to catch from other people. It's just about being around them. I don't know how to describe it. You're going to start to smell like them. You're going to start to feel like them. It's going to be a, a caught thing. And that, yeah, if you're in a group of people who are pursuing God's will for their life, you're going to be better off than if you weren't. You're going to be closer to who you were created to be than if you weren't. So go ahead and make, make the decision on your own. I'd rather, I'd rather do it on my own. Okay. Walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with the passionate and become passionate. Walk with the bold and become bold. Walk with the people pursuing God's will for their life. And you might become one of them. So... I always have like six different things going on in my mind when I, when I preach something like this. And uh, something happened last week that I kind of had a realization um, that I want to address this week. Worship team, would you guys come up here? Um, I'm saying that the, one of the ultimate answers to the pain in your life is to solve the problem of you being connected to the wrong people. But I'm also aware that you still have the pain right now, right? 
Even if right now in your heart, you're deciding I'm gonna be a part of this thing, you still have something going on. And I had this realization last week that like, hey, as much as I feel like God moves in our services, as much as I, I pray for God to speak through me on a Sunday morning, that I can't begin to address all the stuff that's going on in your lives in one week. And that there's a lot of people out here right now who you're, maybe you got some serious, serious pain going on in your heart right now. Or you've just got something that you're worried about that you're anxious about. Or you've got something that you want or need that you don't have. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to end a little different. I wanted to give an opportunity for people to come up and be prayed for. So like if you've got something going on, and I don't know, I, I just want to say if God's nudging you to come up and be prayed for, I don't care what it is, bring it up here. I'm going to have some people just right down in front and uh, we'll pray for you. Because whatever you brought in here, I feel like God wants to do something. He wants to start working on it right now. What if, what if this little bit of connection up here could be the beginning of God doing something? I don't know. So I want to give that opportunity. And I also want to say, hey, if, if this is something you're a part of and you're, uh, maybe you're not a Christian yet and you're sitting here going, man, I want to start this. I want to start a, a spiritual journey. Uh, come up here and, and pray with somebody and, and begin that faith journey. Give your life to God right up here in the front of this, this room. God could do that, man. This could be the, the beginning of something amazing in your life right here. So they're going to they're gonna start this song, and, and I'm just going to have a couple people come up here and just stand, and whenever you're ready, they're going to be, they'll be rolling. You can come down whenever you're ready. I'll start us off by praying right now. Jesus, I know you're here. You promised to be in the gathering of believers. I pray for the person right now who's debating whether or not to come up and be prayed for, that they would be bold, that they would do it. That they would allow your spirit to nudge them, that they would allow someone else to pray for them, Lord, and just watch you work through that. I pray for every person in here who's, who's struggling, Lord, who's, who's hurting, who has some lack, that they'd be willing to, to take that step. Move through this place, Lord. We want to we see you move. In Jesus' name I pray.